You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I am so excited about sharing with you today. And I want you to tag a friend, let them know that we're alive and we're sharing a powerful life transforming word. You can also get the audio of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Now, there are two things that I want you to do. I want you first to listen to this podcast and send any questions you may have, any comments. You don't have to agree with everything I say. Your disagreements is not offensive for us, but I got my iPad here and I'm ready to take questions from you. And I believe it's going to be a blessing. Then after the teaching, I want you to share it. Push that share button and share it so that the word can grow and increase in the lives of others. Now, We went back to in-person worship this past Sunday, and it was just exciting. At both our campuses, we're one church in in two states. Uh, We have a Birmingham campus. We have a Columbus campus. And it was just really wonderful and exciting. Now, I said this, and I want to say and share with you where we're going. While we were separated, In other words, for a year and a half, we had no in-person worship. And while we were separated, the Holy Spirit, in my quiet time, began to deal with me about the kingdom and kingdom concept. It just dropped in my spirit. I began to prepare a lesson entitled, Not From Around Here. It is amazing. It is going to lift our church, Faith Chapel, the body of Christ is going to lift your life and change the trajectory of your life and cause you to go to a whole nother level. I believe it with all my heart. But as I finish that five lesson foundational, because it's multiple parts to it, I sense that we needed to prepare the people, the members, the listeners for the series. Uh, We needed a John the Baptist series, I'm, I'm calling it. And so I began, and my son began, my son and I are team teachers. We, we teach. When he's at the Columbus campus, I'm at the Birmingham campus. When he's at the Birmingham campus, I'm at the Columbus campus. We are one church in two states. And even though we may minister out of different examples, we talk the lesson through and we may share different examples, but the principle that we're sharing is consistent. Both churches, both campuses are receiving the same principle truths. So we began to, to talk uh, on a series entitled Understanding the Power of Your Purpose and Potential to prepare us for the series, not from around here. It was wonderful. Our first lesson was on purpose. It was wonderful. Now, here's what I decided to do. 
you're teaching primarily on Sundays from anywhere between 30 to 35 minutes. And it, it is, is great and it's exciting. But I thought it would be great in my podcast rather than go to another series and take us in a whole different direction. I thought I'd just go back over the series on my podcast and then it will enable you to ask me some questions because sometimes you're listening and you may have some questions. You may not understand a concept. You may not agree with a, a principle. And in this podcast, you have an opportunity to ask questions, uh, uh, share your comments, what your feelings, what your thoughts, what you didn't understand. And I like to go over that. So in, I'm going to basically in my podcast for the rest for a few weeks, go over what we share on Sundays. So you're going to hear some things that we said but I'm going to try to fill in some gaps and maybe maybe even emphasize some things that maybe we uh, did not say. So we begin the series, the series we're going to talk about today. Understand the power of your purpose and your potential. And this is a three-lesson series. So we begin lesson one teaching on the subject, Purpose, the Secret to Fulfillment in Life. And our background text is Luke chapter 5, verse 10, John chapter 21, verses 3 through 6, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And listen at this. Let's talk about purpose today. And I want you to ask any questions you have because I believe that operating in purpose has always been important, but especially in these end times. So listen at this. I think you would all agree that the salvation, the new birth experience is the most important gift that anyone can receive in life, being born again, receiving Jesus as Lord. However, there are many Christians genuinely saved that love Jesus, and maybe that's you, who are saved, but feel a sense of unfulfillment and a sense of restlessness. And I believe that this, this un, sense of unfulfillment and this restlessness is maybe due to a limited view of success. In the world, the world defines success as the achievement, notice this, of position, the achievement of power, wealth, fame, and stable relationships. So for the most part, everyone is trying to achieve position, power, wealth, fame, and or stable relationships. But we all have seen or heard of individuals who after achieving wealth and after achieving fame and after achieving uh, power and position have committed suicide. Think about that. Spend all your life trying to achieve what the world calls success and yet get to the to the, the, the apex of success and have this deep sense of 
unfulfillment to the point that you take your own life. Why is that? I believe it is because of not understanding, discerning, and walking in purpose. And no achievement can bring true fulfillment apart from purpose. And that's what we're talking about. And I selected Peter as our character display. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 10, Peter is is called into his purpose in life. Now, Peter was a professional fisherman. Every Jewish kid was taught a trade. And in Israel, fishing and becoming a fisherman was a good trade. And he was very successful at it. In fact, he, he was so successful that Peter entered into a partnership with James and John, and they had a, a successful uh, business, fishing business, hired servants and all that. And after a miracle catch, a boat-loaded, thinking catch of fish, Jesus spoke these words to Peter. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you shall be fishing for people. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, that Peter and those who were in that industry, they left everything to follow Jesus. When we get to, to John chapter 21, verse 3 through 6, we see Peter making an impulsive decision. He decides after following Jesus in full-time ministry for three and a half years, he decides that he's going to go back to his previous occupation, fishing. Now, you have to understand what led to him going back to his occupation when Jesus had called him into full-time ministry. I believe it was due to his disappointment and unrealized expectation. Sometimes we can enter into purpose, the thing that God wants us to, to do, but we have unrealized expectations within the framework of that purpose. And sometimes we enter into challenges, even though we enter into the purpose that God wants us to, to be involved with, there will always be challenges and things that we have to deal with. Well, Peter and those who were following Jesus, the 12 disciples, had this idea that following Jesus would result in Jesus overthrowing the Roman government, establishing himself as king, and them as leaders over this new kingdom. So they had an expectation that was not consistent with God's purpose and God's plan for their lives. So he went, he entered into this disappointment because he never expected Jesus to die. He never expected him to be crucified. They were all shocked. They all read, left and deserted him. 
And even though he had risen from the dead and occasionally appeared before them, there was a sense of disappointment, a sense of disillusionment. And there was also a sense of failure because Peter had denied the Lord three times. There was a lack of direction. There was a, a lack of clarity. Where do we go here? Jesus appearing every now and then. But it was not like it was when they walked together for three and a half years. So Peter was very uncertain about where we go from here. So Peter decided in John chapter 21, verse 3, he says, I'm going back to fishing. And six other disciples followed him. We're going back with you too. They entered into a boat and they fished all night and caught nothing. Well, Jesus, the, at the dawn of the day, was on the beach. And he shouted out to them, have you caught anything? Have you received anything? Now, what Jesus was saying was not just, have you caught any fish? But he's asking, have you caught fulfillment? Have you caught meaning in life? And they said no. And that's what God is saying to many of us who are born again. Have you caught anything? You've been pursuing all these different things. You've been going here and doing this and trying this and trying that. But he's asking you, have you caught anything? Have you caught fulfillment? And they answered, no, we haven't caught anything. Then Jesus said something very transformative. He said, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you're fine. They cast their net on the right side of the boat and they were not able to haul all the fish that they caught. And the rest of the text says they caught 153 large fish. Now, listen at this. They didn't recognize who this man was on the shore. Now, that's literally and spiritually. They didn't know it was Jesus physically because it was the dawn of the day. But they had walked with him for three and a half years, and they still didn't fully know who he was spiritually. But when they caught that boatload, that those 153 large fish, John said, it's the Lord. Peter dives into the sea and swims to shore. The other disciples come bringing the fish. And the scripture says that when they got to the shore, that Jesus had a uh, charcoal uh, fire going with grilled fish and bread ready for them. Now, listen at this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 10, we see Jesus giving Peter his assignment. He says, from now on, you shall be fishing for people. But in John chapter 21, Peter has returned to his old occupation. He's not fishing for people. He's fishing for fish, aquatic vertebrates with fins and gills. Now, listen at this. 
Peter in John chapter 21 was fishing on the wrong side of the boat. In other words, he was operating on the outside of purpose. And the question that I'm asking you, are you fishing on the wrong side of the boat? We're talking about purpose, the secret to fulfillment in life. Now, that word fulfillment is a very interesting word. I want us to look briefly at the word fulfillment, and I want us to look at the word unfulfillment. And then I want you to evaluate whether you're experiencing fulfillment or unfulfillment. The word fulfillment means to feel full. It means to be complete. The word unfulfillment means not carried out or brought to completion. There are many Christians, and maybe you're listening to me right now, you know you're saved, and when you die, you're going to heaven, and you, you settle with that. But you're not experiencing true fulfillment. So the question is, how does an unfulfilled person feel? Well, an unfulfilled person feels a nagging sense that something is missing a nagging sense that there's more. Do you feel a nagging sense that, that, that there's just something missing in your life, that, that there's more, that there's just more? I felt that before. And in some cases and sometimes I feel it right now. And I'll share with you later why that's true. Do you feel a nagging sense that something is missing in your life? You're born again. You know you've been invited Jesus. But there's a nagging sense that something is missing, a nagging sense that there is more. Now, listen, listen at this. An unfulfilled person sometimes feel, I'm not utilizing all my abilities. There are things that I know I'm capable of doing, but I'm not doing it for whatever reason. And then finally, a person who has a sense of unfulfillment feels a sense of frustration because you're trying all these things but nothing is really panning out the way you want it to pan out. And then for others, you are trying some things and it's working and you, you get promoted and it's blessed, but it still seems like something is missing. Or maybe you're sensing a sense of boredom. You're doing things, but you're just bored. Okay? Now, think about this. What does it feel like when you're engaged in an endless stream of activities? You're doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, but you feel like you're going nowhere. That's unfulfillment. Now, let's look at purpose because purpose is the key to fulfillment in life. And I have three definitions to purpose. Number one, purpose is your life assignment from God. It is your 
life assignment from God. You say, well, I have a life assignment? Yes, you have a life assignment from God. God didn't just save you, but we'll see in eternity to pass, he decided that he would give you an assignment. It's a unique assignment. It's a special role. It's a special place that God intends for you to operate in, in the earth. You were created for this unique thing that you're supposed to do in the earth. Secondly, purpose is the need God intends for you to meet in the earth. God, when he created you, he equipped you to meet a need. Not every need, but he equipped you to meet a need. And there are people who need you and they need what God has assigned you to do. Now, when, when people think about the need that I'm to meet, they normally think about something that they're supposed to do in church. Now, I believe that every Christian should be connected to a local church. I believe that every Christian should be involved in a local church. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you should help your pastor bring the vision to pass in that local church, either through health ministry, through giving, through getting the word out about the church. But when, when I talk about purpose, I'm not talking about just what you do at church. Now, some people like myself are called to the church world. We're called full time to the church world. But, but really, when you think about it, our assignments has to be broader than just working in the church because Jesus said to the body of Christ, go into all the world and preach the gospel, establish the kingdom in all the world. And if that's the case, God wants to reach people in the world, establish his kingdom in the world, then he gives some believers an assignment outside of the church walls. He gives some Christians an assignment in business, some an assignment in education, some an assignment in the military, some assignment in medicine, the health field. God gives some an assignment to operate in government and in politics. Some he gives an assignment to operate in sales. Some have an assignment to operate in the performing arts, whether it be singing or dance. Or he gives an assignment to some to be in entertainment. He gives assignment to some to be in sports, to be in media, to be in the legal field. He gives some an assignment to, to minister to the family. Some Christians are assigned to minister to children. Some Christians are assigned to minister to students. Some Christians are assigned to minister to singles. Some are assigned to minister to, to couples. Some are assigned to minister to singles. You see, God wants us to reach every arena of life. 
your purpose is what God has assigned you to do and the need he has created you to meet in your world. And then thirdly, purpose is the work that God has planned for you to accomplish. And it is the path that God intends for you to walk in. There's a beautiful text, and I won't read the whole text, but there's a beautiful text in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I want you to send me your questions. If you have any questions, you have any comments, if there's anything you're hearing that you don't understand, is there any comment? Is there anything that God is saying to you right now? I like to know it. You can send it in right now. But Ephesians 2, in summary, says that we Christians are God's workmanship. In other words, God himself created us in eternity past. And God in eternity past, before we were born, before we received Jesus, God decided that there were works that he wanted us to perform. And the Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Bible says these works were works, good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. Think about that. God in eternity past, before you were born, before you got saved, before you received Jesus, God looked all the way through human history, saw that you would be saved, saw that you would be walking with him. And even before the world was created, God decided that he wanted you to do these works. Now, you'll do everything that good Christians should do, witness, share your faith, pray, study the word, all these things. But he decided, I want you to perform these works in the earth. And then he says, Ephesians 2.10 says that there was a path that he wanted us to follow, that he, uh, he arranged and he set. And then he says that when we perform these works, and walk this path, because now think about it, the path that God has ordained for you to walk in, along that path are people connections, resource connections, favor connections, everything that you will need in life to fulfill that sign is along that path. Everything. God has already decided the people who would help you. He's already decided the favor that you would need. He already decided the people connections, the experiences along that path. Now, if you're walking another path, you're not going to meet those people. You're not going to have that favor. You're not going to. And he says that when we walk that path, he said we will experience the good life. Now, notice this, the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. And God has a good life that he's prearranged and made ready for you. Now, I want, I, want to, I want to look at what happens when we operate, operate outside of God's purpose. And, and this is so very important. And you may be sitting there and say, well, you know, I heard that Sunday. I just heard that Sunday. No, 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 no. Listen carefully. You can go all your life 
and never fulfill God's plan and never fulfill God's purpose. And it's not like you're not going to go to heaven. We don't go to heaven because of our works. We go to heaven because of Jesus' works. It's his life and his death and his burial, his resurrection, and us receiving him that qualifies for heaven. But what about the works that he's assigned for us to do that will further his kingdom and bring, bring glory to him? So when we operate outside of God's purpose, two primary things we do, we misled, we misled lead others and we rob others of the deposit that we would have made through our obedience. Now, let's look at that. We mislead others. Others are misled when we're out of pocket, when we're doing stuff that may be good stuff, but we're out of pocket, then we mislead. Peter said, in John 21, he said, I'm going back to fishing. And six other disciples who had been called into ministry said, we're going back to fishing with you. Peter had this influence and you have influence. God has placed influence on your life. And notice here, Peter is going back to his security blanket. He's going back to his comfort zone. And six other people follow him. If you don't get anything else out of this, I want you to please get this. There is a difference between purpose and human ambition. It's a difference. Purpose is what God wants you to do. Human ambition is what I want to do. It's what I want to do. It's what I like. It's what I think. It's what I choose for my life. And there's a difference. And Peter went back to what he was comfortable with. He went back to what he was successful at. He went back to what he knew. Because a lot of times when we follow God, you, God don't always lay it all out in front of you. You have to walk it out by faith. You have to take this step and take that step. But Peter knew everything about fishing. So he went back to his comfort zone and he misled. He, he led others into his own disobedience. But not only do we mislead others, we rob others of the deposit that we would have made through our obedience. And remember, listen to me, remember what I said about purpose? I said purpose, the second definition, is the need God intends for you to meet in the earth. So there are needs and people with those needs that God has intended for you to meet those needs in some arena. And remember, we're not talking about just in, in some arena. There are needs that God intends for you to meet. And when you operate outside of purpose, you rob those people of the deposit that only you can make in their lives. 
only you can make that deposit in their lives and you rob them. But secondly, you hindered the kingdom because you're called to establish the kingdom, but you're hindering the kingdom and misrepresenting the kingdom. Now, let's look at these two things. We got five questions, and I thank you. Keep sending your questions. Keep sending your comments. Now, let's look at both of these. Let's look at, look at both of these. My ambition was not ministry. No, no way I wanted to be a preacher. That, was my, that wasn't my ambition. My ambition was to be an attorney. And I was in law school when God called me. When God called me into ministry, even though I, I, I didn't want it, I chose it. Now listen to me. Ooh, listen to this. Sometimes what God wants for us, God's plan for us, God's path that he wants us to walk in, we don't want it. We don't want it. And we choose to go another route. We choose our ambition over what God wants us to do. And we get over into a path and we are frustrated. We are bored. We got all this stuff. And then some of us are successful of it, at it and still not fulfilled because we chose human ambition. We chose what we wanted. And if I had chose, because you have a choice, God can lay out your plan. I didn't want to be a preacher. There was nothing attractive about being a preacher. I didn't see how I was going to be happy. I didn't see how I was going to be successful. I thought if I pursue attorney, I could be successful. I could be famous. I could make a bunch of money. And a lot of times we're choosing money over purpose. We're choosing income. We're choosing what we think can bring us prosperity because we can't see how we can prosper over in this area. But think, I would have been robbing all the people that I've made a deposit in, all the people. And just think about it. If I had been successful as an attorney, think about it. Everybody would have applauded. Many would have applauded me. I'd have made a bunch of money. I, people would have put my name in a magazine because I was going to be good. I was going to be good as an attorney. And then I had to stand before God and God didn't see what I did as very important. And I would have misrepresented, I would have misrepresented the kingdom. Now, watch this. Let's say I decide I'm going to be a pastor, but God called me to business. And I believe that there are some pastors, not all, but some pastors, they, got, they received a genuine call from God. It was genuine. But they thought the call was pulpit. So they went in the pulpit, misled people because their people attracted to them, and they're trying to pastor people without an anointing. So now... I am misrepresenting the kingdom. I'm hindering the kingdom because I'm operating outside of my grace and outside of my anointing because there are some pastors who should be in business and there are some pastors should be in education 
And there are some pastors who should be even in entertainment. But they thought that that call was to be in a pulpit. So what happens when I'm operating inside of my purpose? What happens when I operate inside of my purpose? When I operate inside of my purpose, two things going to happen. I'm going to enjoy natural success, but I'm going to also have fulfillment. And then secondly, we'll glorify God. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to do that which honors him. I'm going to be doing something that makes the kingdom attractive and people are going to be attracted to God. That's why the scripture says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father. And remember, good works is not just any works. It's works that God has prearranged ahead of time for us to achieve. Now, listen at this. When when. When Peter finally decided and the disciples finally decided to cast their net on the right side of the boat in John 21, they caught this huge haul of fish, large fish, the Bible says, 153. That was natural success. That was natural success. I believe that it's impossible to fully follow God's purpose and not enjoy natural success. Now, you're going to have some hardships. You're going to have some challenges. I'm in purpose, but I have difficulties. But it's something about purpose that gives you the energy, the motivation to keep going, even though there are challenges, because you know you're following God. Now, listen at this. John says, it's the Lord. Peter dived into the into the waters to swim to Jesus. The rest of them came bringing their fish. And when they got to the beach, now watch this. When they got to the beach, Jesus had a charcoal grill fire going, grilling fish, fish grill, and bread. Think about it. All night, they had looked for fish. When they got in purpose, Jesus had ready for them fish grilling and bread ready to eat. In fact, one translation said, Jesus said, come on, let's have some breakfast. Now notice it was fish that they hadn't worked for. It was fish that they hadn't frustrated, they hadn't spent all night. Jesus had fish for them. Purpose always takes you to Jesus and it takes you closer to Jesus and Jesus will always provide for you more than natural success. Jesus will provide for you more than natural success. He will always provide fulfillment. Are we good? Ted, are we good? He will always provide for us more natural success plus fulfillment, and then you glorify God. Now, I want you to continue to send me your questions. I got some questions. I got some questions, but I want to to wrap this up by talking about how to discover purpose. And I want you to fill in the gaps with these 
I want you to do something for me. And it is just symbolic. As you're listening to this podcast, I want you to literally put your hand to your ears, put a finger to your ear, put a finger to one of your ears. And I want you to hear these five keys to discovering your purpose. I'll give you an overview and then I'm going to come back and give you a brief explanation. Number one, listen to the creator. Number two, listen to your dissatisfaction. Number three, listen to others. Number four, listen to your gifts. And number five, listen to your passion. Now let's go back and I want to give you brief, a brief explanation of what I'm talking about here. Number one, to discover purpose. And remember purpose was something established before you were born. In order to discover purpose, you have to listen to the creator because your creator God is the one who de decided the why of your life. In other words, it was him who decided that you should be born. You may have thought that your parents decided that you would be born. Well, he used the vehicle of your parents, but in eternity past, God decided that you will be born and you're not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Some, you may have said, well, I was born out of wedlock. I, I was, my parents didn't want me or this. No, no, no. God decided that you would come into this earth and he decided ahead of time that you would have purpose regardless to how you were born, you have purpose. Now listen at this. Purpose is a discovery, is not a product of the human will. It's a discovery. It's a discovery. In other words, you're going to have to spend time in prayer seeking God about why you're on the planet. You're going to have to ask him, why am I here? Why didn't you, why did you permit me to be born? What needs do you want me to be met? What is my assignment? These are the questions you should be asking God. There are some Christians who never ask God about their purpose. Here's what they do. Here's what some Christians do. They decide what they want to be in life. And that's the way we're trained. Decide what they want to be in life. And then they pursue it. They go to school for it. And much of the time is based off the financial return. What it, this occupation is going to pay. So many Christians have decided what they're going to do with their life and they want God to bless it. In other words, I decide you bless. I decide you bless. But purpose is a discovery in that you're not deciding what you're going to do with your life. You're asking God and it's not too late for you to ask God. It's not too late. You may have done something for 40 years or 50 years, 
And you may say, it's too late for me to be asking God about that. No, it's not too late. It's a discovery. It is discovering what God has planned, and you discover that in prayer. Now, listen at Proverbs 2, verses 3, 4, and 5 in the New Living Translation. It says, cry out for insight. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And it says, then you will gain the knowledge of God. So you see from the scripture, and this is something that I'll practice in my life, there is a seeking that you have to do. And it's not a one-time event. Over the course of my life, I've always asked God to give me insight on what you want me to do. Where should I be? What should I be doing? Give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. I want your purpose. I want your plan. And the reason why it's not an event, a one-time thing you do, is because purpose is layered. God will reveal one aspect and you walk that out and he won't share with you the whole thing. You walk that out and then you fulfill that and then he'll reveal something else. So all through my life, even now, after 40 some years of pastoring, I still ask God, I want your purpose. I want your plan. Show me with clarity. Give me clarity about what you want me to do. I'll do it. I'm willing to do it. So that you have to go to the one who decided what your purpose is. There's a difference between purpose and human ambition. It's a difference between what God wants you to do and what you want to do with your life. Number two, listen to your dissatisfaction. What are you dissatisfied with in relation to the status quo, in relationship to the norm? Often, what we're dissatisfied with, God intends for us to do something about. And I gave this illustration Sunday in our lesson. I said that when I was growing up, I loved church, always in church as a kid, as a teenager. But when I entered the teenage years and my young adult years, I would sit in church and the pastor, a pastor who loved me, extremely intelligent pastor. He loved me. He wanted the best for me. He even helped me in ministry. But I would sit sometime and listen to his sermons and I would leave frustrated because I didn't understand what he was saying. I didn't get it. And I believe that my dissatisfaction was a clue to what God intended for me to do something about. God wants me, wanted me to make it clear. And that's what most people say. I understand you. It makes sense. It's clear to me. It was my dissatisfaction that was a clue. What are you dissatisfied with? What are you struggling with? Sometimes it's what God wants you to do something about. Number three, listen to others. Often God will use others to confirm your calling. John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. 
Think about that. Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sins of the world. There will be people who recognize the giftings on your life, the callings on your life, and they will give vent to it. It's not manipulation. It's not you saying, what do you think about me? It's not you questioning them, but they will recognize it. Now, here's this qualifier on it. Sometimes others will have an opinion of what's best for your life. That's not what I'm talking about. For example, I believe that my wife, her nickname is Pete. I believe that she was called to children. She called to minister to kids. I believe that's a part of her calling. That's layered because there are other things that I believe God wants us to do. But I look at the way she handle our children. And I believe that I have great adult children. And I believe a major reason for that is her commitment to parenting our kids. It's something about her. She's very creative uh, when it comes to kids. She thinks through, she come up with projects, she comes all these kinds of things. But her, and she wanted to be a school teacher, but her mother who loved her dearly thought that there was, she couldn't make a good living being a school teacher. So she wanted her to be a nurse. So she was pursuing trying to be a nurse, didn't finish out in nursing, finished in dietetics. But that thing about kids has always been with her. And I noticed even though she went in one route trying to be a nurse, God brought that thing right back to her through children's church. And for years, she oversee our children's church, and she was very creative. She had a strong group of leaders under her. She had a thriving children's church because that was a part of God's purpose for her life. And even though she had handed it off to someone else who's doing a great job, and she recognized who that person was, but she's still doing her her spring camps. She didn't do it during this pandemic, but she's still committed to doing her spring camps with kids, still committed to doing her her, uh, summer camps with kids. It's in her. And even during the pandemic, and we were keeping our grandkids a couple of days of the week, she would have projects for them, and she would do ceramics and, and paintings and different kinds of things with those kids. They didn't just sit up and watch television. In fact, she wouldn't even allow them to watch television a lot during the day. She had things, and they would go out sometimes and because it's on the inside of her. So sometimes... People don't recognize what's on the inside of you. And especially parents, you have to be careful just deciding for your kids what they should do in life and what will make the most money. Because if you push them in that direction, they can end up into a field and they may be successful and they may uh, make money but they may be unfulfilled most of their lives. So as a parent, you should be praying about their purpose, not your purpose for their lives, their purpose. Number four, listen to your gifts because purpose is revealed by design. Purpose is revealed by design. Scissors have a design to cut. Pencils have a design to write. 
a flashlight has a divine to give forth light. God has created you with such uniqueness. You're already designed for something. Your personality is perfect for it. Your disposition and your tolerance level is perfect for it. Whether you're outgoing or uh, uh, laid back, you are perfect for what God has called you to do. You are absolutely designed for it. And once you walk in it, it's going to be what I call spiritually natural for you. It's not going to be hard for you. Teaching is not hard for me. Leading people is not hard for me. Pastor is not hard for me. Are there challenges? Yes, but it's not hard. And when you get over into purpose, you're going to discover that your gifts are going to thrive and it's going to be easier for you. And then number four, listen to your passion. What do you love? Sometimes what we love may need to be sanctified and upgraded. And I use the illustration of the drug dealer. The drug dealer, the successful drug dealer, and some of you were successful drug dealers. Well, the drug dealer has a call on their life. The drug dealer has a call. It's just unsanctified. It needs to be sanctified. A call to business, a call to marketing, a call to leadership, a call to sales. You hear sometimes rappers who sing all this vulgar music and, and they win an award and they win an award because they're so creative. They know how to pull words together and, and sounds and beats in together and they'll get an award. And I say, I want to thank God. And sometimes we criticize them. We say, you thinking God are you saying all these vulgar words? But in reality, it was God who gave them the gift it just needs to be sanctified and upgraded. And sometimes those in entertainment feel, I can never make money if I do the Christian thing. But listen, who says you got to do the Christian thing? And what I mean by the Christian thing, I mean the jargon, okay? I believe that people in entertainment, performing arts, don't need to leave, I think they should stay right there. And I believe God will give them the wisdom and the favor how to do their thing without compromise. I believe that with all the, my heart. I love to read. I love studying. I'm always in bookstores. I got a library full of books. Think about it. It's so consistent with what God wanted me to do. That's why I can study all night, read all night. I mean, all day and all night because it was the passion that God puts on the inside of you. And there is something that God has put in you. And sometimes we think that we're going to hate what God wants us to do. No, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I never thought I would love pastor. And I never thought, well, in fact, I never thought I could pastor. I never thought I would love ministry. I wouldn't want to do anything else. Now, as I close, I want to say this, and I got some questions. I want you to send me your questions, and that's why I wanted to go over this. Your, your God's plan is a discovery, and no mistakes that Peter made, no disobedience aborted that. Nothing you've done in the past has aborted God's plan. 
no loss. Maybe you were married and you, you lost your spouse. God still has a purpose for you because it was created in eternity past. Now, I want to look at these questions that uh, I want to look at some of these questions and comments. You can still send them in. And I want to make sure that we fill in in the gaps. Uh, you always ask good questions. You always give us good ones. And I see several here. I want to look at it. Um, I have a two com uh, I have three comments initially. And the comment is, I thank God that you and I were the best catch of the day so we can also become fisher for the kingdom of God. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for your comment. Another comment, my aim is to fulfill God's purpose in my life, but fighting distractions. Wow, that's a good, that's a, that's a good thing, fighting distractions. I have to fight through distractions all the time. I have to fight through distractions to study. I have to fight through distractions to pre prepare sermons. I have to fight, and I'll tell you something that really try to distract me is from praying. The worst thing Satan wants you to do for him is to pray, okay? And that's a part of it. God knows that you're going to have some distractions and don't let the distractions bother you. Don't let the distractions get on the inside of you. So Holy Spirit, help me. That's what I say. When I see a distraction, I say, the Holy Spirit, I was intending to pray. I was intending to do this, but I got these distractions. I want you to help me to work through it. Help me to navigate through this situation. Teach me the Holy Spirit was sent to help you. You should be talking to him on an ongoing basis. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. How do I manage this distraction? How do I deal with this? And he's going to show you. But that's a part of it. Satan is always throwing distractions. People always throwing distractions because they want to keep you from following God's path. Now, listen at this comment. I thought about my purpose for a while, prayed, waiting, but still unclear. Okay, that's a good one. I thought about my purpose for a while, prayed, waiting, but still unclear. Okay. A part of walking in purpose is prayer. You pray the prayer of dedication. Lord, I'm willing. I choose to be willing to do what you want me to do. Not my will, but your will be done. Father, make it clear to me. Give me clarity. Give me direction. I believe that I receive. Now, you, you release your faith because the Bible says in all your ways, uh, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So you've acknowledged him. Now you continue to do what's at hand to do. Continue to do what good Christians should be doing from studying, praying, confessing, involvement with church, involvement in your community, sharing your faith. Keep doing that. Whatever profession you're in, you may be in a profession that's outside of your purpose. 
No, you want to be diligent at that. You want to be faithful at that. You want to be your best at that because you're going to do it to God. You're going to be doing up to God. Sometimes people can be on jobs and they say, this ain't what I'm called to do. And they slack off and they're not representing Christ on that job. But they want God to get them into their purpose. No, even if you're on a job, you're not totally sure yet. But if you've acknowledged him, he's directing you. You've got to believe that you're being directed, okay? So wherever you are, you're going to be the best at it. You're going to do the best you can at that. And you're trusting God because often God is directing you even when you don't know it. He's leading you even when you don't know it. You know, I worked a secular job for a while, and I knew that wasn't what God was calling me to do. But I was good at what I was doing. My boss depended on me. I showed up for work. I was on time for work. I did my best on that job. And the interesting thing about it, my boss would bring people to me to talk to them about God. Well, if I was slacking off on my job and half doing it because I'm supposed to be doing something else, my boss wouldn't have never had that kind of confidence in me. And so God looks at how faithful we are with where we are, even though we may be outside of it. So you're not just sitting around doing anything for God to show you. When God called Peter, he was fishing when God called Tom, uh, Thomas, he was sitting at the booth, was taking up tax, uh, tax money, revenue for the government. He was not in his purpose, but he was good at what he was doing. He was so good. Matthew was so good that when he connected with Jesus, he invited Jesus over and all his friends came over and Jesus was able to connect with them. And he was a tax collector, not walking in purpose, but he did what was at hand to do to the glory of God. So you're not just waiting around doing nothing, waiting on God to show you something. God reveals his will to people who are moving, people who are active, and you're listening, you're spending time in your devotional time in the word, and he's going to lead you right into your purpose. It's not hard. It's not just sitting around waiting is being good at what your hand can do right now. And I think I answered the first question, how do you get on the right path? I think I answered that question. If you were listening, I answered how you get on the right path. Now, I didn't know that I was going to be a pastor. I didn't know anything about Faith Chapel. I had this dream in my heart about a church, but I didn't know Faith Chapel. I didn't know about the things I would be doing right now. But once I got saved, I dived into the word. I spent time praying and fasting. I was consistent at church. I worked in the church. I knocked on every door in my community, sharing Christ with them. Every time I got a chance, I was sharing Christ. And as I was doing things, and I worked on my job, did my best on my job. I wasn't full-time, but I did my best on my job. And God just led me right into my purpose. So it's not sitting around waiting on God to say, oh, okay, this is your purpose. No, you're to be moving. You're to be active. You're to bless the people that you're connected with right now. Don't despise what you're doing right now because God is looking at what you're doing right now. And your faithfulness 
right now determines the next place that you get. And often it's layered. It's not going to be everything you show you, everything you're going to do at one at one sitting. Uh, does your purpose change during different seasons of your life? Absolutely, yes. Purpose can change during different seasons of your life. God can have you in this arena at one time, and, and you're right in the center of his will, right in the center of his will. You know, I've been pastoring for 40 years, but I know that there are other things that God wants me to do. But I'm in that season right now of pastoring. You may be in one season, but God has other seasons. And that's why you have to constantly be asking God, what do you want me to do now? Maybe you were in a season where you were employed. Maybe you're in a season of retirement now. So God, what am I supposed to be doing in this season of retirement? What are you asking me to do? right now. There's always something that God intends for you to do. The seasons will change. They will change. Maybe you were married for a period of time. Maybe your spouse died or maybe you're divorced. Now you're in a different season of singleness. Or maybe you were single and now you're married. You're in a different season. So yes, purpose change and the seasons change. And you have to stay flexible and open to what God wants you to do in the different seasons of your life. Uh, I got a question here. These are good questions. Um, a comment. We are robbing people of what God has for them when we don't walk in our purpose. Absolutely. And that's what I said. Can a child, youth, discover and begin walking in purpose at a tender age? Oh, I'm so glad you. Oh, I'm so glad you gave me that question. Oh, I'm so glad you gave me that question. Because uh, I was going to bring that. We were going to bring that up uh, in, our, in one of our sessions. But listen at this. Can a child you discover and begin walking in purpose at a tender age? Right now, our children and our teenagers are in the adult services at this point. But guess what? We can look in scripture and we can see that God has a purpose for children because notice, before John the Baptist was born, God told his parents about John's purpose. You find that over at the, around the first, second chapter of Luke. John the Baptist had a purpose as a child. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature with favor with man. As a child, 12-year-old, he was in the temple asking questions and answering. Teenagers, God began to show Joseph things when he was a teenager. He was a teenager, and God began to give him dreams about leadership. God doesn't wait till we become adults. God's hand was on my, my life as a child. I'm in a class, a Sunday school class, and the teacher gave me an opportunity to teach the class. God's hand was on my life. 
God's going to start working in the lives of people when they become adults. He works on their lives with children. That's why parenting is so important to have them in children's ministry and have Bible studies for them at home. I taught Bible study in the home when my kids were small. I taught them the Bible study. I would lay hands on them. I would speak the word on them. My wife would handle all the other schoolwork stuff. But I taught them the Bible. I taught them. We, we, we play acted things when they were kids. No, that's a wonderful question. You can discover it. There are kids that I, I, I can name a few kids. I know they have a call on their life. They, they have a call on their life. And sometimes they hit certain ages and they get over in here because, you know, as a kid, I remember Mike said, he asked me as a kid, he said, what I got to do to be a pastor? And I said, well, Mike, you can't just decide to be a pastor. God has called you to pastor. He was a child. He was a kid when he asked that question. God had called kids. He called youth, uh, his hand. And you can see it all through the scriptures. Remember when David killed Goliath? David wasn't an adult. He was a young person. That's why Saul said, you're just a youth. You can't go against this guy. He was probably a teenager when he killed Goliath. He wasn't a 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. 50. He was a teenager when he killed Goliath. He heard God. He was led by God. You need to make sure you have Bible study with your kids at home, Bible study with your students at home. Do something with them at home. Lay hands on them. Pray about the calling of God on their life. That's a beautiful, outstanding question. And I think that's all that, that I got in this one. But that's why I wanted, to, I wanted to teach on this. So for a season now, we'll teach something on Sunday. I'm going to come back on my podcast, go over it, and then I'm going to allow time for you to ask questions. And these are wonderful questions. And you have any other questions, send them in, and we'll, we'll answer them next time. I love you. Thank you for listening today.